Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Security Token Show. Coming to you from Miami, we're your hosts. I'm Herwig Konings, and with me is Kyle Sondland. And for those of you who are new on the show, we always give you the latest security token industry news, updates about the newest STOs, followed by a comprehensive secondary market update report. And then we end with our main topic, which today, Kyle and I will be explaining to you why one would de-tokenize securities back to their traditional form. Hey everybody, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed today's show, but we can't start anything without first doing our Company of the Week Awards, where we award two companies the spotlight for making the biggest moves in the industry last week. Do you have for this week for episode 66, Herwick? Well, my Company of the Week is actually what inspired our main topic today, Kyle. Mount Pellerin, which is a leading Swiss issuance platform, which is also, by the way, tokenized and been trading its own equity, last week made an announcement that they've evolved to the Swiss security token industry to new heights through the capabilities of de-tokenization, or as they describe it, untokenization. Uh, You're hearing me correctly when I'm telling you that I'm awarding my company of the week to a tokenization platform for making a breakthrough to de-tokenize security tokens. <laughs> I know that sounds weird. I can understand why, you know, that's probably a little backwards sounding, but that's actually why we've dedicated the main topic to the subject so we can really dig into it. But the main gist of it is that Mount Pellerin's issuance technology easily allows you to manage all your equity, whether it's tokenized or not, and to easily switch and convert between the two. And we'll dig into why an issuer would want to do this in the first place later on the show, but congratulations to Mount Pellerin for their achievement and for winning my company of the week. And I think that actually puts them in the heralded two-time company of the week winner category, Herwig. So congratulations to Mount Pellerin. I'm going to talk about that later as well. We're going to go into that in the main topic, but I'm actually also excited to tell you a little bit more about my company of the week this week, Liquify. Tell us. So Liquify made headlines this week after being granted an in-principle approval to operate a private financing platform for the Abu Dhabi global market. So according to the press release, once this license is granted in full, Liquify will be able to offer tokenized securities backed by real-world assets like private equities, venture funds, and other alternative investments to investors in the UAE on its alternative global marketplace. This is a pretty big deal. This is a standard. This is a large marketplace for traditional alternative assets. And now Liquify has been approved to do it with security tokens. On top of that, Liquify already has established a joint venture with the private office of Sheikh Saeed bin Ahmed Al Maktoum and the Seed Group in Dubai. And they believe that investors in the UAE have a strong appetite for tokenized securities and an openness to invest in alternative assets leveraging new technologies. So this is a huge deal because Liquify has now taken 
all of the steps to connect with both of the crucial pieces required for successful tokenization operation. They've got the regulatory approval through this license, as well as investor demand, which is clearly demonstrated through the joint venture with established in Dubai and their license approval. So it seems that this is a great operation going and it's going to be an incredibly successful and innovative region of the world for security tokens. So for those reasons, it's clear to me that Liquify deserves my company of the week for episode 66. That's huge news. That's, that's Liquify going global, bridging in the, the Middle East there, the UAE on the map. Uh, that's amazing. You know, the, that's another license that we you need to get familiar with now and another new market that's going to open up and eventually be connecting, you know, assets and investors all around the world to the Middle East. So Absolutely. really, really great uh, award there, Kyle. Makes a lot of sense. And with that, I think it's time to jump right into the industry news. Well, before I do, of course, I want to let you all know that the articles we cover on this show, they're sourced from stomarket.com slash news, and they're also available for reference in the about description of the podcast itself from wherever you're listening into, or you can always go directly to the Security Token Show Medium blog whenever you want to, to find any of the articles or topics we discuss. And getting it off uh, right into things is, is Russia, actually, with today's news segment covering their central bank posting new rules about digital asset investing, which included security tokens and cryptocurrencies, of course. Now, specifically, the bank defines what is considered a qualified investor able to participate in these offerings in their latest release. And that's similar to the accredited investor rule here in the United States. We've talked about that, except for in Russia, they've actually made it a lot less strict. And I mean a lot less strict. You only need to satisfy one of five requirements that they put forth here. The first one is roughly having a net worth of 74,000 US dollars. Uh, two is you can own securities worth roughly 74,000 uh, US dollars. Three, you have investing experience for at least two years. Four, you can show that you regularly trade large amounts of securities, which is kind of vague. And finally, five, you have a degree in economics. Interesting. So interesting, right? Now, Kyle and our, our loyal listeners too here, uh, they're might remembering here back to episode 59 when we covered extensively in our main topic the expansion of the accredited investor definition here in the U.S. By the way, you can check out any of the main topic segment clips exclusively on YouTube at any time if you want to catch up. Um, but ultimately, we were talking about how the SEC expanded investment banking licenses to qualify also as accredited investors as opposed to just having a million dollars in net worth or over $200,000 in annual income for two years. So, I mean, even with the new SEC expansion, that's a far cry compared to what the Central Bank of Russia has done here. It's a net worth requirement that is 90% less, uh, an extremely loose sort of experience requirements, and, and of course, a degree in economics will get the job done. So there's still time, of course, for citizens in Russia to give feedback to the Central Bank up until October 27th, if you want to give it. And over in Malta, the financial regulator of the, or which is the MFSA, by the way, has issued an update, this one being around their consultation document on security token offerings, which they released back in July of this year. And the main takeaway from this update is that the regulators believe security tokens need to be defined, something we've been proponents of since we started the show. And in fact, I released an article a few weeks ago covering that over 15 countries have now actually legally defined security tokens. And the MFSA's concern is that the MIFID regulations, which govern most of the European financial markets, are, uh, quote, 
loosely defined, unquote. <laughs> and the MFSA guidance on what constitutes transferable securities by three categories. So there's transferability, they have negotiability on capital markets, and the creation of a class of securities. And so this is all very important when it comes to the legal protections for issuers and investors. Knowing that the law has the right language is important, and it could lead to issuers preferring to securitize their assets in other jurisdictions as opposed to their own. So uh, the report had also some additional guidance, but no major highlights as according to the MFSA, they didn't get a lot of viable feedback to make many other changes to their STO proposal, which also included allowing decentralized exchanges as an option for security tokens, which I think is pretty darn neat, by the way. So good stuff, MFSA. And moving into company announcements, we have one major piece of news to start off with here. And I mean, this is also pretty major news because the leading issuance platform here in the US, Securitize, has announced that they have acquired a broker dealer in New York with an ATS license, which means that the company will be able to offer mat order matching and trading and settlement services, AKA operate a secondary market for security tokens. Dubbed Project Aquaman by the team because of, as Carlos Domingo, the CEO, says it, there is no better superhero at creating liquidity than Aquaman. <laughs> and yes, folks, that is really corny. <laughs> we can all be thankful that it is just a code name. Now, some key takeaways to break down from this, though. Securitize is a technology company first, and out of kind of necessity, they've gotten licensed as a transfer agent, as well as now buying a broker-dealer so that they can offer the secondary market. This presumably means that they've been working on the tech side already, hopefully building a beautiful platform. But while they wait to get the licensing and regulation sorted out in order to actually operate. So I believe they have a few more hurdles to finish up before they can go live with the platform. I, I assume it would have already been live with this announcement. Uh, but Securitize is now officially an end-to-end -end provider, issuing tokens that can ultimately be traded on a marketplace and all of the functionality that you would want in between and post issuance, of course. And for what is over now 130 issuers, according to their latest announcement, that is probably welcome news, I'm sure. So still lots of pieces when it comes to getting a secondary market off the ground, well beyond just technology, including things like, you know, who are they going to partner with for custody? What kind of market making solutions will they support? Maybe even they're going to use decentralized ones. Maybe they you know, they did do that DeFi announcement with Centrifuge last week. So anyway, needless to say, Securitize is considered a big player and is definitely going to bring some serious competition to the current market. And that's an amazing thing because this space is only going to grow as a result. So congrats to the Securitize team for this accomplishment. I think there's roughly around 50 ATS licenses and now Securitize has one of them. No easy feat. Now go launch the thing already. Congrats. Huge news. And next up for you, I have an announcement from INX dubbed Security Tokens 2.0 in reference to paving a path for the next generation of security tokens to follow using their registered IPO security token. Now this blog post, which is really more of a resource than news by by way, uh, you know, outlines the process that the F1 process, by the way, is, is what it is that INX went through. And INX can claim a lot of firsts as a result of this. And, you know, the they should get a pat on the back, I think, for getting it all approved by the SEC. It's definitely not easy. I think they said it took them some odd 900 plus days to do it. In fact, that's why company, uh, Kyle awarded them the company of the week, right? In episode mm -hmm. 58. So specifically, they say they used smart contracts to ensure KYC AML at all times by, quote, 
acting autonomously to make sure that no INX token ever moves to a wallet that has not passed through KYC AML and been whitelisted by us and a result that the INX token is the first US security where ownership proves you have passed KYC AML, which is technically also, by the way, not true. Uh, if you count Arcoin by Arca Funds, which you know were the first to be registered by the SEC, they also have KYC AML. So if you own one of those tokens, uh, that would also be the case. Uh, I've got to call that out there. But they, you know, um, also don't specify if that's from private markets either, <laughs> which if you own a SPICE or a blockchain, ca uh, blockchain capital token or, you know, science blockchain, those have also forced you to do KYC AML. Uh, but anyway, they do have some other great firsts, including this one, I think, which is the, the, be the one to be the first U.S. security to accept cryptocurrency payments during the IPO process. So that was a major hurdle. I remember you know, Kyle saying that they had to first cross the seven and a half million threshold in order to do that. And now they were able to accept Bitcoin and, and other cryptocurrencies that you could turn into IPO tokens. So that's pretty cool. And by the way, their IPO is still live if you want to go read more about that article there. And uh, now moving into the actual resources and opinion section, we're starting off with an awesome resource from Deloitte, I think. It's on security token offerings specifically. It goes over the technology, its evolution from ICOs, the benefits and the steps, and it even covers the industry challenges, which one of them is, in fact, quote, no uniform definition for security tokens, end quote, which is why countries need to legally define security tokens, people. Other challenges include regulation needing to modernize, concerns over crypto assets and gray areas that it brings, and even compliance issues directly. So check the report out when you get a chance if you're interested. And getting a little more narrow, we've got a real estate tokenization for dummies article on the tokenizer by Klaus Scanning. That's the CEO of the issuance platform DigiShares. And you can guess that it is a high level overview of real estate tokenization. But I think it's interesting that Klaus also uses internet adoption stats as a comparison to cryptocurrency adoption, and that actually cryptocurrency is being adopted even faster than the internet was, and so we should expect tokenization too as well. And I really hope that's the case, Klaus. <laughs> <laughs> and on Crowdfund Insider, Emma Channing of the Status Group, an early investment bank in the space, wrote about institutional adoption for security tokens, which can be a hot button topic for some because some see security tokens as for the masses. And others see it mostly only relevant to institutions. And of course, the reality is, is it's going to be across the board adoption. But Emma eloquently reviews some of the more institutional events happening in the space, like NASDAQ getting involved, Goldman Sachs investing in the Axoni blockchain platform, and even what others are up to, like BNB Paribas and R3. So truly a lot of great stuff in there that if you haven't paid too much attention to the institutional side of things, then I highly recommend checking this article out. And, and you know, in this segment, I've also got a couple of upcoming events to share with you all. So the first event is on October 21st. That's tomorrow if you're listening to this today, it came out. It's at 1.30 p.m. Singaporean time. It's iStocks' investment series featuring partners from Indies Capital Partners who will be talking about Indonesia's policy-driven restrictions on bank financing and inefficient debt and equality capital markets have resulted in funding gaps and demand for alternative funding sources. 
And then on October 23rd is an event hosted by CoinStreet Partners called Market Opportunities of Tokenized Assets and Digitized Securities. And when you hear that phrase, you know it's TADS, which is also part of the TADS award ceremony. So a heavy hitting panel of speakers featuring Ian Fong from Propine, Simon Braxby from Archax, and Juwan Lee, the founder and CEO of N Exchange, among others. So that's at 8 a.m. Eastern on Friday, folks. That one a little more doable for those in the U.S. And finally, a little further out on November 13th is the Digital Assets Investment Conference hosted by STO Box. So all these events are free, but this one offers a VIP pass that you can also buy, giving you exclusive access to some of the speakers and panels, among other things. And they've already had nine listed speakers, so this may be worth checking out as well. And again, all these links can be found in the description of the show or simply going to stomarket.com news. You can submit your own articles there that you come across. And uh, that's pretty much all I've got for you wonderful listeners out there. Time for the latest and greatest in STOs from Kyle. Awesome work. Definitely check out those events. There's so many great calls and, and Zoom calls and things that you can check out to, to hear more about these speakers. This is unprecedented access. In a non-corona world, you're not going to be able to hear from all these thought leaders and CEOs from around the industry and hearing them explain their thought process, their business models, and where they see the industry going. So definitely take advantage of this while we have this flood of all these awesome opportunities to hear more from some of the leading minds in the security token space. Totally right, Kyle. Moving into the STO updates, we have one update from Centrifuge, which is the issuance platform behind the Tin Lake protocol, which hosts Paper Chain, Console Freight, and a few other decentralized platforms that offer liquidity for shipping contracts, intellectual property, and other things. So Centrifuge offers liquidity pools for these assets, similar to Uniswap, and they gave a demo of the Tin Lake platform in addition to explaining how their liquidity pools function. So if you're interested in market making and alternative asset liquidity, definitely check that out. It's highly technical and it's about an hour long, so you definitely need to sit down and like prepare for it. But tune in if it's your thing. I'm sure that there's a ton of great content there. I've got it slated to watch this week. Moving into the new STOs, we first kick it off with our first new STO that's actually another tokenized whiskey fund. So we've covered the Wave Financial Kentucky Bourbon Whiskey Fund in the past, but this time we have HCS, who has announced not only a tokenized whiskey fund, but also announced its listing on a new security token exchange, CryptoSX. So according to the press release, HCS fundraised in January and is now buying hundreds of barrels of single malt Scottish whiskey all of which are stored in a UK bonded warehouse and distilleries across the countries. The casks are all personally selected by HCS's investment advisor, Howard Kai, who's recognized as a keeper of the quach, which is a title given by the Scottish whiskey industry to acknowledge those that have shown outstanding commitment to the Scottish whiskey industry. What an honor. (laughs) This guy's like a sommelier of whiskey, I think. This is kind of how it works. So clearly he knows what he's doing. And so also on top of that, Crypto SX CEO, the exchange that will be listing this security token, Philip Tam added, we have been working with the HCS team, which included top investment professionals, legal and accounting, as well as tokenization firms in the field for over six months. We're absolutely thrilled to have the HCS token joining our exchange very soon. This is a prime example of how tokenization can turn high value, illiquid assets into liquid assets and allow more investors to participate. So it seems like everyone's taking a careful approach to compliance and regulatory requirements. So congrats to everybody involved. Another exciting fund. And I certainly love my whiskey. 
Yeah, wow, this is an awesome one. It sounds like it's been a really well thought out transaction and a lot of new players as a result of this. And it sounds like security token investors are gonna have to start getting familiar with, with whiskey investing. So. Absolutely. Super cool. It's the beauty of the industry. And so sticking with Crypto SX, the exchange has two additional security tokens listed on their platform and both seem to be currently fundraising at this time. So those two offerings are Cyber Credit Natural Resources Group and Flourish City Development Limited. So Cyber Credit is a copper mine in Peru raising 3 million to operate to optimize the mining pr production. We've seen this model before, um, as well as Flourish City, who is actually a biotech agriculture firm producing essential oils and researching new treatments derived from plant products. So two very different security tokens, then you tackle on the whiskey fund and it really just shows the interesting nature of security tokens and the fact that you can have any asset, all these different industries that were traditionally never really that widely accessible. Now we can you know slap a, a rate of return on it and, and value it as an asset, which is interesting. I love it, I love it. You got more for us? We do, so we then we move on to SBI. So SBI is a $330 billion Japanese bank and they announced the launch of a new STO through the Boostry platform. The firm is launching an esports company focused on competitive online gaming and they will be selling shares of the company to Japanese investors. So SBI Holdings specifically noted that it intends to leverage an industry boasting 450 million in viewership to help varying economies. So that's a that's a ton of, of eyeballs there. If they can even get a fraction of that, they're really going to generate some significant interest for this platform. The shares will be sold at around 500 US dollars, that's 50,000 yen each, and they're gonna be made available to on October 30th, 2020. It seems like it may be Japanese investors only from what I maybe saw from the press release. Not exactly sure we're gonna get more information on that on October 30th, but it's an exciting deal and it's great to see SBI's activity in the security token industry. It's not their first venture into security tokens. They're very well aware of the, the groundbreaking, revolutionizing aspects of security tokens and it's exciting to see that they're in it once again. Moving on, we also have an interesting tokenization application, and this is from the producers of a new upcoming movie about the Roe v. Wade court case, and they will be selling a tokenized debt instrument backed by the earnings of the movie. So holders of the RVW tokens are going to have the right to earn a fixed yield of 20% per year plus the repayment of their investment subject to the conditions and limitations laid out in the memorandum. So this is fascinating. The rewards and returns are backed by the future U.S. GD, uh, gross proceed, uh, proceeds excuse me, received in connection with the picture. So they're raising about $5 million through this instrument, which the fundraising is going to begin in November. And the token is going to be listing on the LCX platform under the Liechtenstein jurisdiction, which is quickly becoming another hotbed for security token innovation. So I really like this use case. I think it's fascinating to, to fundraise for a movie and then have the proceeds on the back end, um, you know, deliver that value to investors. We've seen this idea before, but never actually played out successfully. So here's hoping that uh, that it's a successful fundraise for for the Roe v. Wade movie. Hopefully it's successful for LCX and I and, uh, look forward to watching this one on, on open markets. We also have BlockPal, which is a crypto payments platform, and they announced that they're gonna be working with Securitize for issuance and management of their STO. 
So the BPX token is going to be a security token that provides quarterly royalty payments based off BlockPal's pre-tax profits. So it's a profit sharing asset. There's not a lot of issues or info, excuse me, on the fundraise information or the terms, but I'll let you know as soon as I find out. But BlockPal is also looking to enter into the market. And finally, for the STOs, we have Latvian security token issuance platform Fintelum, who won my company of the week last year, and they announced its first security token offering. And this is Keep, K-E-E-P-P, Keep, the Latvian self-storage companies. They have storage lockers and, and, and provide that for individuals. And they're going to be issuing a security token to raise approximately a million dollars in USD um, for their first fundraising round. And so according to the press release, Keep is looking for growth capital to expand its current network of self-storage facilities within Latvia. They even gave a breakdown of some of the funds and they broke it into four categories. The first one being marketing, so they're trying to raise awareness for the, for the project. Manufacturing, which is a two-step process where 50% of the units manufactured um, already. And then delivery and construction, so they're going to install the units and manufactured um, and then you know, build out the new units. And then finally, business continuity, so ongoing facility management and the like. So it's an exciting company, and it's great to see growth capital being leveraged here. This is an existing storage facility company that's looking to scale their operations by more self-storage units. And I think according to their, their promotional YouTube video, they're actually looking to expand out of Latvia into Europe and provide self-storage for many other countries in Europe. So very exciting, interesting use case, and uh, I'll let you know moving forward about the terms of that deal. Wow, Kyle, I am blown away, man. That counts seven STOs that you can go check out and learn about. I mean, just like that, this is what Security Token is all about, right? Overnight, we can become Latvian self-storage facility owners. We can go and invest uh, into becoming a movie producer or own a part of an esports team or just go invest in some whiskey or a copper mine or any other cool things <laughs> that you've talked about. So this is really, really cool stuff, man. Love to see it. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, and again, this is the value of a security token is that you're just trying to standardize the actual financial instrument. Right, whatever the investment opportunity is, whatever the underlying asset is, that's fine. But security tokens just create that standardized form of how do we treat this thing, how does it operate, what requirements, what investors can participate, and then we can open it up to the world and allow anybody to raise capital for any asset. And then you know the market will value what it's worth. So super exciting stuff. And as you said, it's 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 very very cool to see the different types of assets coming around. So a primary market that's alive and well. What about what's going on in the secondary markets? Yeah, let's dig into the the secondary market. So let we got a couple articles first. A quick shout out to Samuel Haig from Coin Telegraph for writing a market report on the security token market's performance in September. Unfortunately, it wasn't the most positive headline as volumes declined by almost 60% in September, but still great coverage. And thanks again to Sam for using security token market research and data in his report. He always does a great job of citing us and giving us um, coverage for that. And we really, really appreciate that. And then our final article of this week's market segment is actually my own. So I broke down the September trading data from our market report that we published a few weeks ago as we posted every, the first Monday of every month covering the last month's trading data, and that's through Security Token Market on our blog. And so I wanted to dig into it a little bit more, provide some context, and maybe see what interesting things that I could find from where the, the data was showing us. And so in terms of my observations, the first one was that it's clear that tokenized real estate assets dominated the market in September. I looked at which tokens outperformed and why, with one property actually up 27% in equity value in September alone. From there, I analyzed the trading volume decline and made a few arguments for why it's not quite as jarring 
for the industry as it might seem on the surface. And then to close out the article, I focused on a few individual security tokens, specifically Lottery.com and Mount Pelerin, and analyzed their price movements as well as their liquidity structures. So it's very interesting to juxtapose those two because their liquidity varies greatly. So if you wanna hear about any of that stuff, read about it, it's pretty short, it's sweet, it's easy, but I think it's, it's a pretty interesting article and, and uh, you guys might be interested, check out the STG blog if you're interested. And then moving into the actual trading data for this week, as always, all of the news and pricing of these assets are on stomarket.com. We have that live updating trading data there. And so it was a tough week this week. I'm going to be honest with you, lovely listeners. The security token market was down about 5% this week from uh, $550 million to about $530 million. But pretty much every single token closed in the red this week from T0 and Overstock here in the US to Mount Pelerin in Europe, even real estate took a hit. So Overstock was down 4% this week, which is actually only about half of the 10% price hit that the public stock saw in the same time frame. So pretty good news, all things considered. At around $69, the Overstock tokenized shares are closing within five bucks of the public shares. The price gap continues to close, which is a tremendous sign for our industry, despite the declining public share price. Again, remember, they've got a publicly listed stock, they've got the tokenized shares, publicly listed stocks around $75, tokenized stocks around $69, so we're really closing that gap. It's less than 10% between the two, which again should be what we define as the liquidity discount. If we can get those prices to about even, then we really can define by the public market's opinions that security tokens are no different than stocks in terms of their liquidity. The biggest loser this week is a surprising one because despite posting a 23% increase in their net asset value in the third quarter, Blockchain Capital's price dropped 38% to $2.50. So according to the firm's recently published NAV report, which is the net asset um, value, the net asset per token is $5.53, which is over double what the shares are currently trading for on open finance. So I'm sure this trading price factors in liquidity discounts as only $1,000 or so of tokens actually traded to cause this huge price decline, which we would define as price slippage. But it seems like the market may have significantly overreacted here. So if you were interested in researching this token to get a better understanding of its book value, I'd recommend reviewing the portfolio companies that Blockchain Capital owns in its fund, which you can find online and then find those companies' current valuations. If you think those valuations are fair, then that would be a strong indicator that the NAV value is active, accurately depicting the target price and would probably be a, a strong buy signal compared to where its current price is. If you feel the portfolio seems overvalued or illiquid, then you gotta try to determine what level of exposure BCAP has to those assets and determine your target price based on that insight. So remember, investing is all about the entry and exit prices, not the current price of the asset. A consistent price decline across real estate markets as well tails off the rest of the market segment with every real estate property down um, about average of 6% this week. So despite the heavy declines though, there is some good news from real estate and that's that every real estate property is still positive in equity value returns year to date. So while it's been a slow week or so, I'm not concerned about the short-term price changes here, especially with consistently cash flow paying assets where you're not really too concerned about equity values anyway. And with that, I think that, that closes out our market segment this week, are we? 
A rough week indeed, Kyle. Major tokens across the board here suffering from some drops and not necessarily because of the underlying asset value going up or down, uh, as we can see here. And given your you know, point to the liquidity gaps here, it seems that it can also swing both ways because as the price dropped for overstock, it seems like the tokenized uh, investors didn't suffer as much mm -hmm. from that drop. So at least there is a little bit of lag and a catch up that at least could work in a benefit both ways. But of course, we'd love to see it you know truly equalize out um anyway i think that means we can get right into our uh, main topic right yeah you, you absolutely uh i think highlight that correctly and so you made mount power in your company of the week for this concept of de-tokenization so let's dig into that a little bit more for the main topic and so at least for me the first question that comes to my mind after reading the headline is wondering why in the world would anyone want to untokenize, as Mount Pellerin says it. I thought they were doing a show about tokenizing things here, Herwig. Why are we talking about analog shares? <laughs> well, in this case, detokenization is actually a textbook example of traditional infrastructure lagging behind. And you'll understand why in just a minute, I think. So first, let's get back to why this issuance platform is proud to have detokenized what they say is 10% of their company. And they're proud because they see this model as a breakthrough in order to bridge traditional institutional markets that don't yet support security tokens. So in essence, with Mount Pelerin, you wouldn't need to worry about needing to give everyone a token because you can switch it back to its traditional format at any time. All right, so I think our listeners are probably following along well, but let's set the stage even more. I know that Mount Pelerin is based in Switzerland and they trade their equity via the MPS token on Uniswap. It's listed live on security token market for the pricing there, but it's trading on Uniswap. So what's going on here? Obviously, Uniswap doesn't support detokenized securities. Absolutely right, Kyle. It seems that now the company is taking their token liquidity to the next level by means of traditional exchange instead. So as Mount Pelerin would describe it in their press release, making tokens bankable with financial institutions. So here's how they describe the solution. Quote, to solve the problem, Mount Pelerin proposes today a simple process allowing a share or any other security to exist in both forms, a tokenized version and a standard version attributed with an ISIN code. That stands for International Securities Identification Number. The global standard for tracking across markets, by the way. So as a result, any company can incorporate its shares in either forms, then seamlessly switch between tokenized and regular shares when need it. Ah, the ISIN, which is assigned to the whole class of securities regardless of tokenization, is the magic tracking identifier exchanges like the Swiss Sock Exchange or SIX uses. In this case, since SIX can't accept your token, Mount Pelerin provides the tools to essentially burn the token and convert it into a traditional share, at which point it can be accepted then by the SIX. Yeah, that's exactly how I interpret it as well. I mean, they said that in order to do so, Mount Pelerin had to work with the Swiss bank, REYL and CA as the paying agent, Sharecom Service as the registrar, and SIX as the ISIN provider. And as a result of this process, they say the tokenized shares become compatible with the financial data software used by institutional investors and can therefore be traded and kept in custody according to their usual processes. And this does create a bridge between the 
world of tokenized markets and traditional exchanges. And it's likely something that I think all issuance platforms will need to support in order for liquidity to be created using traditional exchanges, right? So it does open a, a can of worms though, right? Once you detokenize, you go back to a centralized ledger and as an issuer, the trading that happens on the exchange becomes a black hole to you or anyone else who could read the chain of the token. In principle, you know, all kinds of shenanigans could be happening, but in essence, this is the traditional financial system. So it's the only way it will work. And the result is a lack of transparency and other capabilities that are powered by smart contracts like dividends and such, but not really concerns about malicious or other kinds of problems. All of those things are features that existing exchanges and financial institutions already provide today, just in analog and manual manners, right? So it's slower and more expensive. And as you said, Herwig, you don't get the visibility or provenance anymore. But at the end of the day, this is how today's markets work. And at this stage of the market, it's too difficult to force the incumbents to accept tokens when their systems just aren't designed for it yet. Right, and maybe the startups of the world, like Securitize, as we announced earlier, will change that and offer the full value proposition. But marketplaces, as we said, aren't just technology, they are liquidity service providers, and there's a lot more to it than just coding. So we'll see what really becomes adopted by security tokens, at least in the short term, right? Kind of fascinating, really, because we've got now options like DeFi solutions with Uniswap, blockchain-based marketplaces like Securitize, or traditional exchanges like Merge that win the market for providing you know, liquidity. Who's going to do it? We'll be tracking all of that, of course, via security token market. You can definitely count on that. It's also interesting to just really watch what Mount Pelerin has done here. Sometimes when breakthroughs like this happen, we see other competitors announce similar functionality. So maybe we'll see that here too. Between these new analog shares and then the other examples we've seen like T0 and Overstock that are listed on OTC markets, it looks like I might have to go buy some data from traditional exchanges to track these security tokens prices. So it's important that we as an industry understand that centralized solutions and traditional infrastructure is something we need to cooperate with, not to try to destroy. Totally agree, Kyle. Eventually the traditional incumbents will also evolve, but for now we gotta play the cards we're dealt. I mean, it's it's great job, Mount Pellerin here for spearheading this topic for us. And that's again, why you earned my company of the week earlier this episode. And with that, I think we can end our show there. So hopefully you all enjoyed. I know that we did. So as always, please reach out if you have any questions or feedback. Herwig and I are very active on Twitter and LinkedIn. Absolutely. And you can also join the community and submit articles, events, and STOs at stomarket.com slash news. This is where we discuss the latest in the space online. Thank you all so much for listening. And be sure to catch us again next week on Tuesday for episode 67. <laughs>